So it's OST party time once again. Joe, what are we talking about tonight? Uh, tonight we're talking about the 1996 film Twister. Ooh, welcome to the suck zone. Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together, have a rockin' good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight is my lovely and belligerent co-host. It's Libby the Extreme Cutmore. Libby, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Yes, indeed. And uh, you forgot to mention Oklahoma Native. Yes, I forgot. Had... I'm sorry. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we're going to be leaning on your uh, your local expertise for this week's episode oh really because i have none i could tell you about the mall that's about all i know about oklahoma city that's a pretty good place to be if you're going to hide from a tornado i guess i suppose can't find you at the gap <laughs> i mean it can't can't be any worse than you know a rickety barn in the middle of nowhere right <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> but yeah tonight's show is all about uh the 1996 film twister which I feel like was one of the big like mid '90s blockbusters that everybody either kind of remembers or super duper really loves. It's the Avatar of 1996. Oh, it really is, isn't it? Yes. We could talk about the plot in like two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the plot of Twister is that uh, there's some tornado chasers. They're in the middle of a divorce, but the tornado brings them back together and kills the Dread Pirate Roberts. Along the way, the end. Yep. See, that's pretty much it. Good night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we have a really fascinating soundtrack to go along with us tonight. And that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on. Because the movies, the plot, Libby just did the whole thing. So we're not going to go through the plot. But the songs themselves, that's what we're going to be really focusing on this week. Yes. Uh, but before we do any of that, uh, we have some old business from our last episode uh, where we our, we had um, Quentin Harrison on to talk about Spice World. That was a fantastic episode. That I was a it. really fun episode. Thanks again to Quentin. Absolutely. Uh, so we asked our Twitter followers at OST Party, what was the best uh, song from the Spice World kind of movie? And we picked four. Uh, winning that poll with 53% was Spice Up Your Life. It's a classic everybody loves it that's yep that's the one i voted for it's a banger uh, it's a banger honestly they all kind of were oh, uh, no, it's such bangers 24 and a half percent was stop Ooh, yeah that was another i was really torn between spice up your life and stop stop has been kind of my jam for the last two weeks yeah that one's been in my head the, the one that i didn't expect to be in my head was stop uh with 13 and a half percent was saturday night divas yeah and finally uh viva forever rounds it out with nine percent so uh, yeah, that's a pretty pretty solid poll. Look yes, out indeed. for the tw the Twister poll after this episode airs, usually the weekend after. Yeah, so keep an eye out and cast a vote for your favorite. Absolutely. So, Twister. Yeah, Twister. What's, what is your, your kind of history with Twister, Libby? Well, I'm, I remember seeing it at the Park Theater, which is the one-screen movie theater that is still standing in my hometown of Cobleskill, New York. Um, and I remember not being all that thrilled by it. I remember thinking, this is really 
boring and i have no experience with tornadoes like despite being from oklahoma i don't have any personal experiences with tornadoes and really uh no one in my family does um you know there's been some high winds and tornadoes have touched down but it's not like anyone i know ever had their house destroyed one time my grandmother uh her window got blown out and she came home and all the neighborhood cats were sleeping on her bed oh no that's about yeah that's about it (laughs) <laughs> so uh, joe what's your experience uh well this movie i intentionally missed the first time it came around because it came out when i was 10 years old and i was deep in the thrall of a pretty serious weather phobia at the time which i as, as i say it now i realize that sounds kind of silly but let's explore that yes i have a good reason for this the way my mom tells it when i was four years old i was basically struck by lightning holy shit yeah, I wasn't kidding. Okay, okay, that just got like way darker than I thought it was going to. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so the, the way she tells it was, you know, I was four years old. I'm standing in the living room of our house. Uh, thunderstorm overhead. Lightning strikes the backyard. And I guess travels through the floor, through the ground, through the floor into me and knocks me on my, on my back at the age of four. <laughs> And then ever since then, for a good, like, roughly 10 years or so, I was the, the weird kid who, like, obsessively watched the Weather Channel because I was terrified of when a storm might come up. Uh, Yeah, that is completely justifiable. Like, I don't like thunderstorms the way, like, a dog doesn't. Yeah. But I was not struck by lightning. Jesus, Joe. <laughs> I, it occurs to me oh, now that, like, Billy. I did not prepare you for that, and I'm sorry. No. <laughs> That's... What did it feel like? I have to ask. I don't know. I was four. I have no memories of that. (laughs) So long story short, like when Twister came out, I was like, no, thank you. Not seeing it. And it took me a few years until it finally, you know, it came on TV and I I was curious and my curiosity got the better of me. And, you know, a 13 year old watching Twister, 13 year old boy rather watching Twister. Hell yeah. Super into it. Okay. So, but like, I watched it. Your uh, phobia. Yeah, I watched. I got over my phobia a little bit. It, I, I assume this is what helped me get over it because I realized, like, oh, it's all just, it's all just weather. It's whatever. But uh, yeah, I've seen this movie several times, more than I care to admit. Okay, yeah, that's depressing. Now I, ha- with the benefit of hindsight, as an adult, I can watch this and go, yeah, this is actually kind of terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's really a really really dumb movie. It's basically Jurassic Park, but. <laughs> With tornadoes? Hey, what if wind? Yeah. And that's, I mean, it was it was written by Michael Crichton, so that makes sense. Right. Like Michael Crichton, Steven Spielberg, Jan DeBont, the guy who directed Speed. Like, what more do you, like, what could you ask for out of a pairing like that? It's, it's sort of like if an AI made an action movie. It's like procedurally generated action movie? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Oh, um, man. Now, my husband... I think saw this movie a couple times in theaters and he said that this soundtrack was the first CD he ever purchased. Oh, so as we were okay. going through, he's like, Oh, that's, that's the Goo Goo Dolls song. And Oh, that's this one. So he was actually very helpful in, in picking them out. That's we, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We popped some popcorn and, and watched it the other night. He was like telling me like cool facts about it. Mm. I know it was delightful. Oh, so he was, he was mansplaining the movie about weather. <laughs> Not quite. I think he was just, he was pop-up videoing. Okay, there, there you go. I, I feel like that's like 90% of this movie is people mansplaining the weather. Yes, and it's a lot, it's specifically in, while driving. 
There's a lot of people explaining weather or arguing in cars. Arguing about weather in cars with boys. Starring Helen Hunt. I mean, it's fitting that it's a hell it stars Helen Hunt because this is like the longest worst episode of Mad About You ever. <laughs> and it's it's, it's a shame that it was Bill Paxton in this instead of Paul Reiser, because that would have been perfect. That would have been beautiful. I think he was probably busy being in Bye Bye Love, a movie that I inexplicably watched two hundred times, and by inexplicably I mean Matthew Modine took his shirt off. There it is. There it is. So you watch that as much as I watch Twister. More. I guarantee you more. I, I believe it. I'm not going to dispute that. <laughs> oh, well, so. You've been with me long enough to know that if Matthew Modine is taking his shirt off, I'm there by God. Anyway, let's talk about billboarding school for Twister, shall we? Yes. Let's go to school. Let's go to school. Right, yeah, so Billboarding School on Twister. So the soundtrack for Twister debuted on the charts uh, May 25th, 1996 at number 37. The top album that week was the... 37? Food- in a row. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Kevin Smith in a little bit. Yeah, we're going to have a little bit of a Clerks tie-in. Uh, not just Clerks. So, oh yeah, at 37, number one album that week was the Fuji's album, The Score. Okay. Pretty nice. good, pretty great. Top soundtrack at number 13 that week was Waiting to Exhale. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. Good year. Uh, Twister peaked in its second week at number 28. Fell off the charts after 16 weeks in September. Uh, The number one album the week it fell off was Pearl Jam's No Code, which I've been listening through the Pearl Jam catalog because I realized there's a lot that I'm missing. No Code's not great, y'all. No, it's really not. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sorry. The top soundtrack at number nine, you're not going to believe this, The Crow, City of Angels. No! <laughs> Our old nemesis. I think I've threatened you with that one a few times. And, and like, I kind of want to do it because like Hole covers Gold Dust Woman and mm-hmm. there's, some, there's some good stuff on it, but I just can't watch The Crow, City of Angels. <laughs> one crow is enough for any any. I don't want to watch anything that has to do with the phrase City of Angels. <laughs> no. Let's I mean, just this cross that off the list, <laughs> and that's why we're talking about this because this this one actually has a Google Doll song on it. So you know what? We're yes, gonna let let this one have it. <laughs> but the movie Twister made uh, four hundred and ninety six million uh, on a ninety million budget, so it was a fairly sizable hit for nineteen ninety six. I remember it being out. Yeah, that summer it was huge. Um, the, uh, it opened at the box office at number one ahead of uh, The Truth About Cats and Dogs and The Craft, which both films much better than Twister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way better. Um, but also, like so many 90s blockbusters before it, it spawned all kinds of crap. <laughs> like <laughs> a pinball machine, which itself is kind of just a crappy reskin of an older, better pinball machine. A theme park ride at Universal Studios, which has recently been destroyed and replaced with a motion simulator about jimmy fallon no yeah i'd rather do the twister ride i'd rather watch twister a hundred times than be in the same room as a picture of jimmy fallon <laughs> fuck that guy absolutely gross but also that's it's the suck zone that's that ride there you go you got you nailed it there it is the suck zone um but it also spawned like two like direct to tv ripoff movies 
like at the exact same time, 1996 <laughs> saw not just Twister, but Night of the Twisters, and then a movie called Tornado! Exclamation point. Tornado stars Ernie Hudson and Bruce Campbell, and I really feel like we missed an opportunity because, like, Twister, but with Ernie Hudson and Bruce Campbell, way better movie. Okay. At least, at least it's honest about being a huge piece of shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Those guys can make I, anything better. I will correct you. Night of the Twisters is actually based on a book. Is it really? Yes, it is. Well, okay. I'm that that's fair, but I'm all I'm saying is like that it came out in ninety six after Twister seems a little suspect, you know? Oh like, no, it's totally they were totally trying to cash in, but that is based on a uh nineteen ninety-four uh novel by but, Ivy Ruckman. Good to know. Good to know. Which um, I seem to remember reading shortly after watching Twister. Mm-hmm. i I believe it. Like wow. just like the, the Twisters were in the air and everybody wanted a piece of it, basically. Yes. Um, now, when Ian and I went to watch 1996's Twister starring Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton, we pulled it up on Tubi, okay. everyone's favorite streaming network, really the best streaming network. And it had the, I mean, you can picture the movie poster in your head. And we started it and there's a little blonde girl and Ian's like, this is not Twister. And it turned out that it was actually the 1989 film Twister, oh. starring Susie Amos, Crispin Glover, Harry Dean Stanton, and Dylan McDermott, which was shot in Wichita, Kansas. Oh, my God. And it's about like an eccentric family um, during a tornado hitting their home. There truly is nothing original in this world. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was very... I don't know. Maybe that movie's great. I love Crispin Glover, so. Might be worth a watch, yeah. Maybe. It's on Tubi, so it's either the best thing ever or pure garbage, no in-between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's either, like, The Godfather or Chopping Mall. Yep. That's that's Tubi. It's an amazing service. And, and no shade to Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall rules. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So the Twister soundtrack, the first thing, we're just going to talk about the soundtrack, you know, kind of song by song. Yes. Um, it's bookended by Van Halen songs. <laughs> we've talked about Van Halen so much on this show. This is the first time we've actually got a Van Halen song to talk about. Yes. It's been talk 74 episodes. <laughs> and we're, we're just now getting a Van Halen song. Finally a Van Halen. But oh no, these Van Halen songs, these aren't, these are not great at all. <laughs> No, so let's let's let our listeners decide with the here's humans being. Okay. Now, this one gets pretty good placement in the film. Like, there's several scenes where Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton and their crew race off, you know, down through the fields to go chase a tornado. And this, like, smack in the middle of the film, this one, like, the, even the orchestra starts playing the Van Halen song as they're driving towards the next tornado. And yeah. parts of this song, I think, are pretty great. Like, like the best, not best, but, like, really solid Van Halen. Other parts are absolutely terrible, and uh, knowing a little bit of the history, I totally understand why. 
Well, talk a little bit about the history okay. of this song. So, for starters, this is the last Van Halen song that Sammy Hagar ever recorded before he quit the band. Mm-hmm. This is, in fact, I think the song that made him quit the band. Because at the, at the time, you know, his wife was about to give birth to their child. He wanted to record his vocals from Hawaii to be close to home. And Van Halen was like, no, 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 no. You have to come to L.A. to our studio to record your shit. <laughs> Which he did. He obliged them and he record, they recorded, they cut two songs for, for the Twister soundtrack. And then he went home. And then Eddie said, we need you back to record some more vocals. And Sammy basically told him to fuck off. And that was the last they heard of each other. <laughs> and so Humans Being is the one that he, they actually finished together. And it's, ah, I don't know. The chorus to this song is like pure strain, like great classic Van Halen. Yeah. But the, the verses. Rest- Ooh, they're just like that grimy leftover hair metal. They're just like a hair metal band long past its prime playing in a bar like that's the vibe of this song like i hate the way sammy sings these words like that's how that's the cadence and it's just so like you could tell he was done (laughs) yeah it's really 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 bad um i think they were just happy to get to use the phrase suck zone in a song yeah for real i think they were really excited about that um and i do like that the riff at the bridge has a really really good tornado feel to it yeah like Like you could picture it you the 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 noodling and solo work that eddie does is is really evocative and that's like some of the best some of his best stuff is kind of like that Mm -hmm. but it's yeah when they try to piece like the the parts of the song together it just doesn't quite mesh yeah Um, it's like trying to sew a bunch of denim together to make new pants it just doesn't work (laughs) yeah i mean they got the zipper on the wrong side of the pants it's awful it's really bad. Um, the best thing about the song, though, I read is that uh, they called up the director of the film and asked, like, how closely he wants them to, like, tie the song to the movie. And his response was, please do not write a song about tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that's one of the things and we'll talk about this as we go through. But all of the songs or at least a lot of them really do pick up on that feel, which I kind of like that theme. You get a sense that they actually kind of did their homework trying to write songs for this movie. Yeah, and that it's not just a collection of like assembled songs, mm-hmm. with with obviously a, a handful of exceptions, but even those are are really well thought out. Now, because you talked a little bit about them driving through fields and listening to Van Halen mm-hmm. while chasing tornadoes, if you go to the Museum of the Moving Image, there's an exhibit where you can practice being a foley artist. Oh, okay. That's cool. And one of the scenes is that first scene where you see uh, Bill Paxton, who plays Bill, and uh, Jamie Gertz, who plays Melissa, like in the truck. It's that big wide shot mm-hmm. of them driving. And there's a, a surprisingly peppy orchestral score playing. But then you can pick, you know, you see the scene without the music, and then you get to pick from four different Uh, samples to put in there and you know they have obviously the twister score that goes with it but uh my friends heather and jenny and i decided (laughs) that a rammstein song would go better (laughs) oh man and then you see the scene with your song pick (laughs) i would love to play around with that (laughs) (laughs) That we did it for independence day we did it for um 
for for a couple of films. So I cannot recommend the uh, the Museum of the Moving Image enough. I I want you to come up and visit, and I will I will take you guys there. We'll I go would to the love Muppet to do that. Absolutely, amazing. it's a really really fun trip. So <laughs> you fuck around <laughs> with foley art. You can do the same thing with um, sound effects too. Nice. Nice. So I think we shot, we did a scene in Jurassic Park uh, where raptors sounded like kittens. It was very funny. <laughs> That's humans being, I guess. <laughs> it's fine. Half of it's no, a good I song. It. I hate that song. I like it's the chorus. I, no. I, like, I like the very little like shine on, shine on chorus. The rest of the song, get rid of it. <laughs> I guess that's true. That is kind of awesome, but it's just surrounded by pure garbage. Yeah, really. It really is. It's a shame. And again, I'll say like the part of the movie where like the the score starts to play the Van Halen song is really cool. I wish they had done more of that, but they don't. No. Why would they? Speaking of why would they? Let's go to our next song on the soundtrack, which is from a band called Rusted Root. Ah, yes. This is virtual reality, everybody. Let's go to a clip. Come along, come along, the Babylon, won't you come along? Because we're living in the land of virtual reality. Are Rusted Root Muppets? They might be. I always get rusted root confused with either the roots or like dave matthews band again they seem like a band that people who like dave matthews band would listen to because they just seem like weird hippies yeah this is like a hippie jam band kind of thing yes but they also seem kind of preppy (laughs) okay in a way i can't quite explain i'm there's something about Rusted Root that has always irked me, and I can't put my finger on it, I think because they just seem really silly. Um, this track, though, kind of sounds like if somebody did a folk version of a Talking head song. Oh, God. Like, it's got that cadence, right? It, it does. I kind of dig that, but then when I went back and listened to it again, I was like, no, this is stupid. Oh yeah, like I, I, I'm serious when I say that I asked about the Muppets because like this sounds like a this sounds like the Muppets making fun of a real song to me. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see. I bet uh, Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem could do some work with this. They probably could, yeah. And also, like virtual reality at the time was like the Virtual Boy mm. and Lawnmower Man. It's <laughs> true. So I don't I don't want to exist in any 1996 virtual reality that uh, Rusted Root was interested in um what's that jamiroquai song from Vir- godzilla Vir- oh not virtual insanity deeper underground yes but virtual insanity sounds much better than the rusted roots virtual oh. reality i'd rather live in jamiroquai's virtual reality than rusted roots i just feel like rusted roots virtual reality smells like patchouli and bong water <laughs> and you have to wear those stupid Jankos that are made out of corduroy, but patchwork. Mm-hmm. So you just look like a dirty old heroin addict. Yeah, this is kind of what I imagine Bonnaroo smells like. <laughs> yeah, this is a song you can smell. <laughs> you can smell it. It just smells like white person dreadlocks. <laughs> and then in the movie, this song is playing as like everybody converges on this diner on the side of the road. And Helen Hunt's character, Joe, is accosting 
evil Carrie Elwes for basically stealing her science project. Yes, and he's handsome and his southern accent needs work. And I feel bad for him. Meanwhile, uh, Bill Paxton is out in the parking lot playing with dirt because he can understand tornadoes. He talks to them. Maybe he was struck by lightning as a kid, too. Um, Also, we didn't mention Joe's dad was killed by a tornado. That's true. There was a Category 5 tornado, an F5, and he is swept up in it, like ripped out of the storm shelter and taken up by a tornado in a scene that is frankly terrifying. I was already like, I don't like this movie. This upsets oh, yeah. me. It's, like, it's it's the scene that sets the tone for the whole film. It, makes me, it made me think like, oh, this is a legit horror film, isn't it? Yeah. And then it's sort of like brushed over the rest of it. Well, un- until halfway through the film when you realize like, oh, uh, Joe is obviously shell-shocked by this for life and she's still chasing that kind of uh she's literally she's literally chasing tornadoes because they killed her dad yeah was she gonna like shoot a tornado i don't know i um, mean that's, that's kind of what her aunt suggests at the end <laughs> she's yeah. like go and stop it how do i stop a tornado tell me please yes oh not oh, in this boy. era of climate change they're getting worse no yeah you, you need to be a crazy person with like a space laser to do that Oh, boy. God, let's not get into that kettle of fish. <laughs> but yeah, this is a dumb song, and I kind of hate it. Yeah, it's really... We're, we're not starting off great here. The Twister soundtrack is really not winning us over. <laughs> not yet, at least. Not yet, but it will. It, it will. gets better. <laughs> they just wanted to get the garbage out of the way first. Right. I mean, you, you have to start somewhere. So, Libby, uh, what's number three? Take it away. So, well, next uh, actually became, to what is going to be no surprise, my favorite song on the soundtrack. And that is Tori Amos's Tallulah, uh, which was on her album Boys for Pele. And for this, uh, for this album, they made what they call the BT Tornado Mix. Let's go to a clip. Now, real quick, is does BT mean something? Who is that? Yeah, he's a a, a producer, and he actually wrote or co-wrote and produced several songs from Howard Jones' Transform, which is one of my favorite albums. I think the year it came out, which might have been two eighteen, I uh, it was my favorite. It was my album of the year. Um, can I, yeah, he's can just I a- can I just say I am shocked that you had a legitimate answer for that question. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, of course. So the song, as it appears on Boys for Pele, is, you know, Tori Amos's beautiful sort of featherweight ballad. But I really like how this version grounds it. And it gives it a little more energy. It's a little tighter. And I've seen Tori Amos, I think, five times now. I actually just saw her back in May oh, wow. with, with my friend Heather. Um, at, on the trip, we went to the Museum of the Moving Image. Heather and Jenny and I saw Tori Amos. And her concerts are actually very lively. And I think she has a little bit of that reputation for being sort of this fairy goddess and and having these very, like, lonely but beautiful ballads. But there's a lot of energy at a Tori Amos show, if you can believe it. And I feel like this song captures that, like this version. I will say I do really enjoy, like, the remix, like, the the beat that kicks in about a minute into the song. Yeah. It's really cool. And, and it, that's BT adding that. Uh, yeah, I... I, I 
guessed that, but like, yeah, it's it's a it's a better song than I kind of expected, I guess. Yeah, and um, it's not gonna be like the hottest dance track of 1996, but it's easily the best song on the soundtrack. And and she's done like 12 inch remixes. She's got one of uh, Professional Widow, um. And it's I it's hard for me to imagine like going to a club and dancing to Tori Amos, mm-hmm. but this song doesn't doesn't get too far off on it. And this version actually got the video. Really? So yeah, when you see the like the official video for this song, it's the BT Tornado mix. Oh wow! See, I yeah. I didn't even think to look for uh, music videos for this one. No. So I'm gonna well, have to go and 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 uh, record. There's a couple that. of them. Yeah, there's a couple of them, but um. This one, she added the line, he's chasing tornadoes at the top. That's not in the Boys for Pele version. I had a feeling that was yeah. uh, an addition, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, this was not written for the, the movie, obviously, um, but this version is. Okay. And I actually saw her perform this in uh, 2009 on the Sinful Attractions Tour at Radio City Music Hall. Oh, cool. Yeah, the harpsichord on this is particularly luxurious. I think that's a really, really, really nice addition mm-hmm. that just elevates it, I think, um, above some of the other songs on this album. Because there really is, there's like the songs for the men and the songs for the women. It's it's a pretty even split, too. Yeah, it's a, it's a I don't want to say a gendered soundtrack, because I don't know if that was uh, deliberate, but it, it's kind of neat and how... It reflects the two characters because uh, Joe is actually listening to this when we first meet her. Yes, yes. And we get a lot of songs like right up front because like Joe's listening to music. Dusty, played by the the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, is is blasting fucking Eric Clapton for some reason. Which is thankfully not on the soundtrack. Yes. Thank God we didn't have to talk about that goon. Oh, I know, right? Also, Alan Ruck is in this. Yeah. And I was so happy to see him because it's funny because I, uh, when I sat down to, to watch this, I was actually texting a friend about season three of Succession. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I was like, I already kind of like had Alan Ruck on the brain. I'm like, oh, my God, I was just thinking about you. How weird. Yeah. Twister has a really weird cast because it's like, yeah, Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton, sure. But like all these sort of character actor guys like Alan Ruck show up and it's just it's fun seeing guys yeah, like and- this. Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I don't think, I think he's in a different movie. I don't know where he is in this film, but he is like, he's only, he's playing like a Jack Black type character. Like he's clearly just baked. Honestly, I want to be in that. I want to see that movie. I want to see whatever movie he thinks he's in. (laughs) Yes. And I'm, I'm here for it. He's great because he's supposed to play like this stoner character, this stoner storm chaser. I got the idea in my head of like, you know, so Joe and her crew are clearly like academics. They're trying to uh, study tornadoes with this newfangled contraption that they've built. Called Dorothy. Get it? Because Wizard of Oz is also tornadoes. and Yeah, because tornadoes. That's play when you're older. Yeah. and But like these people are all like in their 40s, right? And they're still like working at a university doing <laughs> science and stuff. I don't know. It doesn't. Something about that doesn't track to me. Like, yeah. What, what the hell is Dusty even doing here? <laughs> oh, he's been held back a couple of grades. <laughs> chasing tornadoes for college credits. It's like chasing tornadoes and blazing doobies. Hell yeah, they don't call it the barn burner for nothing. 
<laughs> when I was a kid, I like the the first car that I wanted was like a, a short bus, like the barn burner, to just tool around in and blast music. Nice. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I also really like. We haven't talked about Melissa, mm-hmm. and Melissa is played by Jamie Gertz. She is Bill's fiance. Yes. And you know that she's like the wrong woman because she's wearing white. Yeah. And, and they're, and they're this, hanging out in a field. And this was something I noticed. I was thinking back about 90s movies. And as soon as you saw a woman wearing white, she was bad news. Um, Meredith Blake in The Parent Trap. Okay. Debbie Jelinski in Adam's Family Values. Yeah. Catherine Trammell in Basic Instinct. Oh, my God. And so you know as soon as someone's in white, they're the wrong woman. You might have something there. This is, I'm going to spend, I'm, well, I'm almost 40, so I'm going to go back to school and <laughs> write a graduate thesis on, on the women in white. No, yo, you're absolutely right, though. Like her, And I feel so bad for her character in this, too. I do. I do. She's kind of a Baxter unpack that for a second so the baxter is the the character that gets left at the altar oh okay and yeah. she doesn't do anything wrong she's just not the right woman for him because he's in love with his ex-wife right and so you do you kind of feel bad for her but throughout the whole movie dusty is like really he's explaining things to her and he's he's driving her and he's taking care of her i want to see the two of them get together yeah, the, you know, a them. mismatched pair like that could be exactly what she needs. Yeah, I feel like they could do a lot together. Uh, the only thing about Melissa in this movie that I felt really weird about is the fact that, like, so her her character, she's like a relationship therapist. So she's she's a doctor. And, like, most of the dialogue with, revolving around her is dudes explaining the weather to her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a really bad look nowadays. <laughs> Just yeah, like, like I think she understands weather. She's got it, guys. And I get that she's like the audience placement. Like we need to explain the suck zone and things like that. Sure, and sure. Props to him for not being like the suck zone in my pants. Like he could be really gross, and he's not. I think Dusty's a genuinely caring person, and I I want them to end up together. Right, but like she could have just as easily been like you know the weather girl at the station that Bill works at now, or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't have to make her a doctor. And also dumb so that we, they have to explain stuff to her. It just didn't track to me. Whatever. Oh, I, I totally agree. And also, um, I guess they show that she's kind of the wrong one because she's always at work. Because uh, she's talking on her cellular telephone. <laughs> um, she's always at store. work even when he's at work. <laughs> yeah, like how dare she be like an accomplished woman at work? I just... Okay. Well, yeah, so let's... We're... we're spending a lot of time on Melissa, but let's move on to the next song on our soundtrack, which is a song called Moments Like This, and it's by Alison Krauss. Let's go to a clip. Yeah. So This is such a nice song. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's so... No, I love it. I thought it was really, really, really beautiful. And according to Discogs, uh, Michael McDonald wrote the lyrics. Yeah, I saw that. Which is awesome. I'm very excited about that. It's a solid combo right there. Yes. Um, 
And I think one of the really exciting things about this soundtrack is you have, again, these aggressive male hard rock tracks of Van Halen, Goo Goo Dolls, and then you have the most delicate, most soulful women on the planet to balance them. And yeah, that it, works really well with the the characters. Yeah, and it feels like an absolute like conscious decision that they made. Which is a really, really thoughtful decision because you've got Joe who is like pure and earnest and just wants to do the right thing and protect people from storms and Bill who's an absolute dipshit. Yeah, he's just in it for the money. He just sucks. Like he is a shitty dude throughout the whole movie. He's a shitty dude before the movie starts because we later learn that he like blocked her tornado shot. Like she was taking measurements and everything, and he like drove up drunk in his truck. It was like threw a bottle at the tornado. It's like I have a drink. And she's like, You have been a douchebag since before the film started. And it's moments like that. See what I did there? That make us hate there. Bill. <laughs> I know. Like we're not I can't understand why anyone would want these two to get together. I don't know, yeah. He's terrible. He's as destructive to her as the tornado would be. Yes. And although Alison Cross was well established by this point, mm-hmm. having this song on the soundtrack gave her a lot more exposure outside of the bluegrass circles that she was commonly known in. Right. Yeah. And this is actually, though, not the first time we've talked about her. It's not. I, but you're going to have to remind me because it's been a while. She provided the singing voice for the girlfriend in Eight Crazy Nights. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. See, I was thinking like, you know, 70 some episodes by now, we must have talked about Alison Krauss, but that one that one eluded me. That's yep, amazing. Nope. She's, I feel bad for her on that. Uh, she was also in Prince of Egypt. And then four years after after this, she would have her big moment with the release of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, absolutely. She came into like my sort of orbit of musical knowledge when she did that uh, duet album with Robert Plant. That was really big in yes. my family for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's done duets with Sting. She's so amazingly talented. And there's a line in the song, like, it's it's in our power to face the storm. And it's it's clearly about relationships and and how we how we get through them. And even in in their traumatic times. But this song is frankly too good for this movie. Uh, It's such a thoughtful and beautiful song. And the movie just doesn't deserve it. It belongs to a much smarter movie about tornadoes and relationships. Yes. um, If I had a problem with this, it Mm -hmm. it sounds a little too much like Tallulah. Yeah. A a couple of these songs do sort of run together a little bit. Not to yeah. say that any of and them are bad, so- but they all have the same kind of vibe. Yeah, I would have moved it further down the soundtrack. Right. Just so that those two didn't blend together because they're both really, really beautiful songs. And I don't want to lose either of them. And yeah, in the film, this one's playing in late in the movie when uh, the crew is hanging out at a drive-in slash diner slash auto shop slash motel. This place has it all. And Joe and Bill are kind of having having mm-hmm. a moment together at, the, at at this location. They're having a moment. Oh, uh, see, this is a clever film after yeah. all. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, also, at this moment, you know, Melissa's realizing that her relationship with Bill is over. And right. it seems like everybody's mad at Bill right now. <laughs> yeah, everybody hates him. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, because at this point, 
that Dorothy too has tipped over and spilled the little gash upon everywhere. <laughs> and he and Joe have had their big, like passionate in the rain moment where he's like, get over your dead dad. It happened a long time ago. Um, and he says like, you've got me. And Melissa overhears that on the radio and you just yep. feel really, really, really bad for her. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the tornado rips through the drive-in where which is showing the shining and apparently little shop of horrors but the, yeah during this scene when they're they're hiding from this one tornado they all get down into the grease pit in the auto shop which i have definitely had to do before to potentially hide from a tornado it's not fun. really so you've 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 had tornado warnings libby i have been under four tornado warnings since we announced this episode <laughs> That's right. Well, I didn't realize like they were like get in the basement tornado warnings. Well, they're they're like you know when there's a tornado in your county, your phone starts going crazy. So that's happened to me okay, four times I've, in the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, I've had one or two here, but they're they never touch down. I guess these four times I'm talking about. Yeah, I've, I've never actually seen the tornado with my own eyes, but it's been a case where like I've had to be on the lookout. You know. Yikes. But I like uh, I was in you know the mechanic shop where I work, and when the tornado warning went off, and like, well, we all have to go into the grease pit just in case. <sighs> That's that, awkward. That was a day. <laughs> yes, indeed, I'll bet. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's let's move on from this though, because we still have ten more songs to to cover tonight. All right. So yeah, let's move on to uh, our track number five on this soundtrack, which. Comes goes back to the the start of the film when we're meeting the entire crew, and Dusty's fiddling around with his TV. And first we hear the Eric Clapton song uh, "Motherless Motherless Child," and then he Christ. turns turns the the not the dial, and now we get uh, "Darling Pretty" by Dire Straits' Mark Knopfler. Yes, let's go to it. I love the Irish lilt at the top of this. And we were seeing a lot of that in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially as we saw this influx of UK artists. I mean, obviously, Mark Knopfler's been around forever. Right. Um, but even like Garth Brooks used it in some of his music that was coming out in the 90s. And I really, really, really love it. Um, but then, of course, it starts rocking hard. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, this one took me a minute to get into, but but as I listened to it more and more, it really grew on me. Yeah, my one complaint I think is that he's singing like he's got lockjaw. He always kind of sings like that, though. Yeah, um, it just it sounded like extra extra lockjaw in here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like that kind of easy rock song that goes really really well on a soundtrack. Um, it's really good music for like driving on a sunny day, and actually really does. At, at least for me, kind of capture the sentiment of like driving around Oklahoma City in the nineties. I can. I see can't that. quite explain it, but there's a very, a very specific feel mm-hmm. to it. I was like, I really do feel like I'm drinking a Dr Pepper icy and driving through Oklahoma City. The way the guitar around Oklahoma. The way the guitars just kind of float through the song, and it's very, mm-hmm. it's very kind of un. Uh, uh, 
unimposing you know you can enjoy them you can ignore them whatever you want to do but there they are yeah and it's it's got it's like not entirely country but it's got enough of a tinge where like you would believe that this song would be playing in oklahoma yeah like i'm actually surprised we don't get more like country songs on the soundtrack it being an oklahoma film and all honestly um the songs i like weirdly most associate with oklahoma city just like having spent a lot of my teenage summers there I'm our Zoot Suit Riot by the Cherry Pop and Daddies. I think that was the first place I heard it. Okay. Um, Counting Blue Cars by Dishwalla. All right. And um, and One Night in Bangkok from the Chess soundtrack. Oh wow! I heard those all on the radio. By the way, like so that to me is like Oklahoma in the '90s. It's like listening to everything that everybody else was and weirdly the soundtrack to chess. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I, 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 I can't say I've, I've been to Oklahoma, so I'm going to I'm going to give you that one. You're um, not missing anything. <laughs> the, one thing I've always said is that I would love to like just rent a car and drive across the Midwest sometime just to see like how flat it is. And I feel like this movie is about as close as I'm going to get. Yeah, it's really fucking flat. <laughs> It's mind-blowingly flat. Mm. But uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about Darling Pretty because it is, it's, a, it's a very sort of light song. It's a, it's a very um, enjoyable song, but I don't have too much uh, attachment to it, I guess. I think of all the boy songs, this is the one I like the most. This is a, a definitely a solid pick for sure. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, speaking of boy songs, oh my God, we have the worst one next. Jeez, how do you even pick? Oh, this is Soul Asylum with the song Miss This. Let's go to a clip. me with this shit yeah this is really really dumb and bad um i couldn't find this in the movie me so. neither and i'm glad about that yes um now of course soul asylum are our old friends from clerks and here they're just noodling around being minnesota rock and roll dirtbags yeah like i think they woke up one morning and thought they were the red hot chili peppers like that's the only way i can explain the sound of this song yeah, that's actually a really good way to describe it. It's just one of those things like grunge is over and y'all lost. I'm sorry. Yeah, and and it's 1996 and now Soul Asylum doesn't know what to do with itself anymore. Yeah. So let's just do a, an awful funk stomp in a movie about twisters. It stinks. Yeah, like, there it. are like fractions of a gripping melody like right at the edge of the chorus and it never quite picks up. Yeah, see, it's, like, it's kind of like... There. It's kind of like humans being in that regard. Like, there's parts of it that are okay, and it's just surrounded by horse shit. Yeah. Wow. They were probably good not to feature this one in in the movie prominently. It really does just kind of pad out the soundtrack. Yeah. I I really can't say I understand why it's even here. Wow. Um, so, and <laughs> I think your guess is as good as mine. It's. I think we're we're in agreement on this one. And I'm happy moving on. Yeah, let's bounce. All right, let's go to uh, our next song on the soundtrack, which is the song Broken by the band Belly. Let's go to a clip. Like 
This surprised me when I heard this on the soundtrack because I've heard this song before, but on a completely different soundtrack. What soundtrack is that? This was originally on the Mallrats soundtrack. No. Which is an album we have not covered yet. But, I mean, honestly, this is the best song on that soundtrack. So here it is again, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I ended up really, really liking this one. Oh, I, I was a little, like, slightly disappointed that it wasn't Echo Belly, mm. who did Insomnia on the uh, Dumb and Dumber soundtrack, which I still listen to all the time. I really, really love that song. Um, But of all kind of the hard rock songs on this one, this is my favorite because it's got a really empathetic hard rock sound Mm -hmm. and having a woman wail the way tanya donnelly does is always going to win me over always oh yeah i I knew you you would be into this one yes um it has a really really strong hook and there's also an undercurrent of sweetness and i think that's a lot of her uh vocals that i really dig Mm -hmm. so i was this was uh a pleasant surprise and it's it's interesting when you think about you know a lot of the women on this are sort of crooning and the men are hard rocking but then mark knopfler and belly switch yeah he's being like soft and gentle and she's being the hard rocker so um so it's not it's not that strictly divided no it's a when you think about this as a as a story itself it's really a very, very smart soundtrack mm-hmm. in in the choices it made, Soul Asylum notwithstanding. Yeah. And this is another one that I could not place in the film itself. No. I don't know about you. No. Couldn't but, find it. Um, but like in a, in a movie that really cared about Helen Hunt's character, I could actually see this song fitting really well. Yeah. Um, maybe it's in some like sweet deleted scene. Could be. Where she just like goes around and rocking i was very excited because she's wearing a jumpsuit she's wearing like a boiler suit <laughs> yeah she does yeah. that thing where she like ties it around ties the arms around her waist and my husband always razzes me about my jumpsuits and i'm like oh so helen hunt can wear a jumpsuit but i can't <laughs> she looked cute as hell not gonna disagree with that at all no she's darling she bill paxton didn't deserve her no of course not oh, absolutely not poor bill paxton he always really it's such a heel. Like that's the thing too. Like I don't know how how much to put on Bill as a character written in the movie, or and how much to put on Bill Paxton because like he oh, plays it's, a it's heel. all the character. He plays a heel so well. Like, he's so good as this yeah. dipshit character in this movie. I know, but the thing is, he's not supposed to be the heel in this. Like we're supposed to also no, like yep. fall in love with him because he's in the rain and being like, "You have me," but I... yeah, you're you're right. This isn't weird science we're talking about here. Yeah, like he's such a he did not win me over in this one. And poor Bill Paxton. He's much missed. A very, 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 very good actor. This one it was just not one of his better better performances. Not at all. But no, uh, really. I do appreciate that bit that uh Broken is on the soundtrack because I got this is yeah, like I said, this is a great song and I was surprised to hear it on two soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe one of these days we'll get to Mallrats, but I'm not going to I'm not counting on it. Um yeah, you're going to have to drag me kicking and screaming into that one. Fair enough. Um so yeah, let's let's jump ahead to our next song in our soundtrack, which hey, we have another uh, returning returning artist on the show. This is Katie Lang with, with the song Love Affair. Song. 
is so sexy she's just i have a little bit of a crush on her especially <laughs> this era of katie lang on because we welcome our velvet voice queen back to the ost party for her third appearance i believe yeah from uh, at least dick tracy and we also talked about her on our james bond episode yes um what i really really love about this one is that it bridges her careers in just that absolutely like really lush gorgeous jazz and uh where she started as a country crooner right yeah so this really 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 melds that um there are a couple really just like words that run a little bit like molasses like she just holds those notes a little too long and it drags down the rhythm Mm -hmm. of the song but that that's my only like that's I guess that's my only note for KD Lang. Right. It just needs to take it down a smidge. But but I, mean, I feel like this one though, I I want to love it more than I do. And it's it's so beautiful when I listen to it, but when you look at this as a whole, it really does get lost between that. Tori Amos track and Allison Cross like it's just kind of law of diminishing returns and I hate saying that about Katie Lang because you know I love her right but we're starting to kind of fade here it, it kind of almost seems like they weren't sure which direction they were going to go trying to promote this album because like I could have seen this song being like the big sweeping love ballad of the movie if they wanted to push it that way but they don't mm-hmm. you know no and this is one this this plays in the movie right after uh, the Allison Krauss song where Joe is at the diner at the drive-in and she orders eight coffees. Yes, and she ordered coffee at the previous diner. You never see her eat. She just drinks coffee. Right. And you almost wonder, like, are the eight, car- the eight coffees, they're just for her, right? Uh, I assume so. Because she doesn't eat when they're at Meg's either. No, she, she doesn't. She get a shower. She's, and she's carrying a mug. She only drinks coffee. I mean, when you're constantly chasing tornadoes, I guess, I guess that's how you keep going. And this is the other thing about, um, you know, Bill wants her to sign the divorce papers. And so she does, but they're kind of sad. He wants to drink coffee. Um, He's had some thoughts about censors. They talked. I was really checked out by this point. So what's really important here is that she signs the divorce papers. And then literally at that exact moment, a, a tornado wipes the entire park out. Yeah. Well, I think the tornado is a metaphor for divorce. Whoa. Really? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Probably or maybe not at all. I don't know. I don't. I genuinely do not know. Will somebody please like, will some film scholar please tell me what is happening here? Or wait a minute. Or is the tornado a metaphor for their marriage and it's getting revenge on her for signing the divorce papers? Or is the tornado really just the Philip Seymour Hoffman we met along the way? <laughs> uh, you know, what? what is a twister if not, a you know, a giant dusty thing? Oh, that's really beautiful. That's poetic and beautiful. Uh, I do have to give Melissa another call out here because as the apparent, like, what, 30th tornado crashes down upon them in Oklahoma where they all live, 
she's like, what's going on? Like, well, what do you think, you sweet summer child? <laughs> what do you think is happening? There's a lot of wind. You're with tornado chasers. They're freaking out about something. I'm going to, I'll give you three guesses. Just guess, Melissa. Don't, three just, guesses just, and the first guess. two don't count. <laughs> Poor and then sweet, she, dumb she has that one great line after I think it's the second it's the second or third god I don't remember how many twisters they actually encounter but after one of them she says to Bill like you know you used to tell me you chase tor- you chase tornadoes and I always just thought it was a metaphor <laughs> nope I no, wish I was a the- weatherman I wish you're in Oklahoma <laughs> and come on and if I was Bill I would be like I wish I was that complex lady but no I'm not <laughs> no I'm just a dirtbag just Melissa, honey, sweet summer child. Just go back to your office and talk to talk to couples about their butts and stuff. Because <laughs> she's like a sex therapist, right? Or something? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's yes. not important. Who cares? Just, um... <laughs> she just spends the entire movie running away from a giant swirling penis. Like, what is fine? <laughs> Yikes! I'm done. I'm so done. <laughs> we got it. we got half a soundtrack to go. Okay. So let's let's hit it. Um. So the next song on their soundtrack. So we've at at a certain point they realize they're near Joe's aunt Meg's house, and all of the guys in the crew demand that they go there for food. Well, yeah. Did you see the spread she makes them? She's just got steaks around. It. It's legitimately like the best looking food I've ever seen in a movie. I know. I want that steak. I want it. Oh, God. But two inches thick. It's beautiful. (laughs) But meanwhile, uh, Joe is upstairs taking a shower. Meg comes to see how she's doing. And on the soundtrack, we hear Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories with the song Howl. I want to like Lisa Loeb. I really do. And I simply cannot. <laughs> like, this is just classic sad girl music. And I, I mean, I like that song I do from Firecracker because I watched a lot of VH1 in the 90s. We all like that song. Yeah, um, sure. But her voice is just like nails on the chalkboard to me. I just, I, I could do, I love Sid Straw. Obviously, I love Tori Amos. I love Nancy Griffith. I just, I cannot fucking do Lisa Loeb. I can't. Look, I don't even have a, an opinion on this. Like, it just kind of floats in and floats back out for me. It's like, just one of those songs that's like, here's the moment where the character is sad. And she's listening to, like, sad girl music. And <laughs> Aunt Meg comes up and gives her, like, a Aunt Meg speech about how she has to move on. Or something. I don't know. Like I said, I was I was really checked out. You know, you used to love Bill. You maybe you could do that again. Yeah, like no, he sucks. Go down and have a steak, honey. You'll feel so much better. Just like eat a steak with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Alan Ruck. Yeah, that would be great. You will enjoy that. You deserve it. Go go you save know? Melissa from all these men trying to explain what the suck zone is. Ugh. 
I, I got legitimately creeped out when they're explained like the scene you, you talked about it earlier when they're talking about the story of Bill ruining Joe's, you know, research footage so that he can throw a whiskey bottle at a tornado. And then Dusty gets right into into Melissa's ear and like very ugh, very sensually says, It's the suck zone. Uh, get me out of here. Please. Yuck. But also I want him and Melissa to be happy together. I don't know. I just I I feel like they make a better couple. They they at least have charisma. She she could learn to love him. Yeah, I get I get that. Yeah. yeah, I think she. You know, he took better care of her than Bill. You know, he got her a Margaritaville umbrella and yeah, drove her around, made sure her seatbelt was buckled. That's true. He's, he's a good dude. Dusty's an all right guy. He's all right by me. Yeah. So. Put Lisa Loeb, I guess, on your, like, depressed 90s girl playlist and leave it at that. Mm-hmm. It's not quite wilting girl summer, but... But pour yourself a margarita and uh, sad the day away. Hang out with your cats in your backyard. <laughs> well, we, we then move from sad girl summer to sad boy summer. Because the next song on our soundtrack is Red Hot Chili Peppers with the song Melancholy Mechanics. <laughs> Let's go to a clip. About to burst inside my three pound universe. It's raining in my cranium. My head feels like a stadium. These are the melancholy Like I said for Soul Asylum, uh-oh, the Chili Peppers woke up that morning and thought they were sublime. Oh, no. It's funny, though, because I always do think of Oklahoma when I hear the Red Hot Chili Peppers, because, again, that's where I first heard the song Scar Tissue. Right. Okay. So, um, so like, in my head, this works. Um, I do appreciate the reserve nature of this one, um, since it seems like it's about headaches and mental illness, and I do get migraines. Mm-hmm. So uh, my head often does feel like a stadium. And then it gets into a real like migraine aura in the bridge briefly. So yeah, I think feel like it sets it does what it sets out to do. I don't that's, know if I like it. That's fair. But from an artistic standpoint. I think for me, this is like it's kind of a precursor to like their songs like Scar Tissue and like that whole Californication album, which at this point I'm extremely tired of and wish wish that yeah, album would go away. It's not great. They're right in between, but like the like the the doofy, funky metal chili peppers thing and the sad, like introspective rock thing. And uh, pick one, guys. Come on. Yeah. And especially since the last time we had the Red Hot Chili Peppers on, they were just like fucking killing it with a cover of the Ohio Players Love Roller Coaster on Beavis and Butthead to America. Yeah, and it was, like, the, guys, it was the pick it up. It was the exact same year. So what the heck happened? Yeah, get it together. Yeah. But I mean, this was this song was I know uh, an outtake from the One Hot Minute album, and knowing that, I can definitely understand why they cut it. Oh yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oh, that would have been bad. So, like, you, you get... That would have dragged the whole thing down. So it, not only is this like a, the, the sad boy Chili Pepper song, this is the, this is the Chili Peppers forcing Dave Navarro to play a sad boy song. He just can't cut it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was just fucking done with it. Yeah. And so am I. The next song is one that I think a lot of people really remember from the soundtracks. This is uh, the Goo Goo Dolls with Long Way Down. And this is a remix. Mm-hmm. Let's go to a clip. There's nothing I could 
This might be the basic boy in me, but I really enjoy this song. Okay, my my <laughs> husband does too, and I feel like I should apologize to everybody no, for what I, I'm about to say. I th- well, okay, say it. Um, I mean, this one's, you know, I'm going to let you take it. Because I, I, I don't hate this song. I guess the reason I think I like it is because, like, I know this, you know, this came from the same album as uh, Name, which is a fine song. Boy called Goo, oh, Boy Named Goo. Boy Named Goo, yeah. Which is a fine song. Like, I don't have anything against it, but um, I like Goo Goo Dolls when they're in, like, rock band mode. Oh, God, yes. You know? When they're kind of in... Um, I saw somebody describe this as like a cheap trick kind of song, and I really think that tracks. Like, I like I like the the vibe of it a lot. Now, I also love the Goo Goo Dolls in the late '90s. We all did. Um, for me, I don't know if they'll have the same revival that I'm sort of going through with other '90s bands. Um, because this song feels too much like a Foo Fighters clone. Like it it lacks the introspective, like soulful, but still rocks. Mm-hmm. that really makes up the Goo Goo Dolls for me um, that you see on, especially on Dizzy Up the Girl where they really perfected it. And then you see, you see it on Gutter Flower with um, like the single Big Machine and Here Is Gone. Um, it's catchy and it rocks super hard, but it doesn't hit me the same way that like Dizzy does. Yeah. It and I doesn't get- hit that point. I get that, and this—they're definitely like two separate kind of modes for the Goo Goo Dolls, and this uh-huh. is st- this is still them kind of trying to shake off that like early punk band kind of vibe too. But yes. I think I think they do it more successfully here than most. Like a lot of late '90s rock either kind of tends towards, like I don't know, like when I think of late '90s rock bands, I think of like Tonic and Fuel, and they're just like kind of sad and pitiful to me mm-hmm. but this doesn't sound like that and i wish more late 90s rock sounded like this i guess yeah well the goo goo dolls are the favorite band of every millennial guy who carried a composition book full of poetry like they uh, rock and they wear a vest but they're also like thoughtful i, I can't argue that yeah. <laughs> I can't argue that no i really i and i i do like i think um i think some of Dizzy Up the Girl is really kind of goofy and heavy-handed. Like, Broadway is a very, very heavy-handed song, but I really like it a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, it's very, very catchy. Um, and every song on there is, like, a real banger. I heard Iris the other day, like, I think at the grocery store, and <laughs> it hit me. And I I, I don't like that song. Um, that one is not held up for me. But, like, you hear it, and you just – you're. You fucking know you're either in like tenth or eighth grade. Those are the two grades you were allowed to be in when Iris came out. Um, so you were I, at a dance. I, I have a, a fun story about Iris. <laughs> so, uh, Sirius XM satellite radio. I'm the corporate shill of all corporate shills. They used to have a station on there called the Covers Channel. And one night, my brother and I and a couple of our friends were just driving around town and listening to the Covers Channel, and all of a sudden, uh. The song Iris comes on, but it's not the Goo Goo Dolls. It's Boys to Men. Oh, boy. I was kind of hoping you'd say Guar. Oh, God, no. But it's Boys to Men doing like a super soulful, super like really emotional. I don't know whether to love or hate that. We were all. genuinely torn. I stopped. I had to stop the car, pulled into a parking lot, and we were all like, what is this? It was blowing our minds. It was amazing. (laughs) So I'll, I guess I'll say if if you're into Iris, go check out the Boys to Men cover. It's we'll something it else. Show notes. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I'm yikes. But um, we forgot to mention this up at the top. This marks uh the Goo Goo Dolls' second appearance on the podcast. They were also uh they covered "Wait for the Blackout" by the Damned on Tommy Boy. Yeah, so we're going that's right. way back to some of our like real early episodes. Yeah, this 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 one kind of feels like one we should have covered by now. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, but. You know, better better late than ever. We wanted to save it for uh, tornado season. Exactly. Yeah. All in good time. I do also kind of feel like I want to see Eddie Van Halen steal all the sandwiches out of Johnny Resnick's cooler. <laughs> what? Because like Van Halen is like rocking so hard. And it's not good, but they're still rocking really hard. And like, here comes Johnny Resnick, who seems like a goon. <laughs> he just strikes me as being a real goon. Like trying so hard to be like a rocker, but also get shit, like be sense, get sensitive chicks. And he just constantly gets clowned by like actual rockers. <laughs> yeah, I can't explain it. Like I said, he's he's probably perfectly lovely human being. I mean, I don't know, but I just I kind of want him to be ever so slightly bullied. <laughs> it just seems right. That's what you get for covering Super Tramp, you nerd. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I um, and I heard. One of their like more recent songs, I'm like this is terrible. Get back to rocking, you wimps. No, rock don't pay the bills anymore. I know it's like it's rock for moms. I think is the best way. <laughs> like sensitive boys and your mother, mm-hmm. really like the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. Oh, or like millennial moms, I guess we all really at the grocery store listening to Iris, thinking about the tenth grade dance. Mm-hmm. What could have been. No. Yeah. Well, mm. let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no one needs to know. Hey, guess what? What? That's the next song on our soundtrack. No one oh. needs to know by Shania Twain. Fabulous. room for one canadian country crooner on this soundtrack and that is kd lang that's right this song sounds like it's a fake country song for a tampon commercial but the weird irony is that like most country turned into this after the fact yes but like think about it like no one needs to know and like picture shania twain like tucking a tampax into her purse (laughs) like it's it's a really really good tampon commercial i guess is all i'm saying i gotcha yeah yeah I think it's perfect for it. This also inexplicably got a music video. It did, yeah. Yes. But what I like about this scene, not this song, this is a stupid garbage song, um, is that Melissa and Joe are in the diner. Joe is ordering a cup of coffee. And Melissa is ordering lemonade. She's too precious for this world. <laughs> um, And Joe is like, oh, you're going to want to pee before you leave. Um, cause there's really not any place else. And is like being really nice to her and helpful. And Melissa just out of nowhere is like, you're still in love with him. And this just seems kind of, again, out of, out of nowhere and aggressive. And it's like, nobody is in love with your dumb goober fiance. She's chasing tornadoes. She doesn't have time for him. Well, you know, I mean, Melissa could complain all she wants, but you know what I'd really like to see is is Melissa and Joe get together? 
I know. They seem like they could be a really good couple. I think so, too. And, you know, in in my head, I had this weird headcanon where, like, Melissa is actually uh, Jamie Gersh's character from Lost Boys, kind of all kind of all grown up and trying to, like, move on with her life. Mm-hmm. And I would love, love, love to see Melissa and Joe have just a, I'm just going to have to go ahead and say it, a lesbian vampire storm chasing adventure. I know that is the best possible movie we could come up with. Like just two vampires who are lesbians chasing tornadoes around, I guess in the dark because they can't go out when it's light out. So that last scene at the end where the tornado is gone and they kiss in uh, like in the blown down farmhouse, Mm -hmm. they would both dissolve to dust. And we, we don't want that. No, we don't want that. But also, it would be perfect because, like, Joe could be like the daywalker, you know? And, yeah, and, and like hiding her under a raincoat. Like, don't get, <laughs> don't let the sun touch you. Like, I really, I, I think we could have a really sweet and awesome movie here. Like, but how, society how won't let we, us. Like, how did we get Lost Boys two and three, and it wasn't this? You know? I know. It's, you know what? We don't deserve nice things. Frankly. No, Corey Feldman called me. I have an idea. It doesn't involve you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> But yeah, this song is whatever. I'm I'm really not into like this era of country music, and I'm sorry if that offends time. anybody. This was a bad time, and Shania Twain. I just I hate her. Um, I hate that like you're still the one. I hate like man. I feel like a woman because I get it stuck in my head all the time, and I want to die when I do. And she like she stole Mutt Lang from Def Leppard, and I'm never gonna forgive her for that. And. and- also, she just doesn't impress me much. <laughs> she thinks she's something special. Ugh. I just, <laughs> I, I hate her. Okay, well, Libby, we're almost there. Let's bring it on home. We got two more oh songs to take care of tonight. Yes, um, our friend Stevie Nicks returns uh, with Lindsey Buckingham and Mick Fleetwood in tow for Twisted. Let's go to a clip. This movie really pissed Stevie Nicks off, apparently. Really? They asked her to write a song for the movie. She had a friend of hers read the script, and then that friend explained the movie to her. And then she wrote a song called Twisted with Lindsay Buckingham. And then they apparently just didn't include it in the movie at all. Oh, no. And that really ticked her off. And so, all right, here, I'll just read it to you because it's pretty, it's pretty fun. She goes, when I was asked to do a song for the movie Twister, I had my friend Rebecca read the script. She then gave me the Reader's Digest condensed version so I could decide whether to do it or not. As she explained it to me, I realized that this was really my story. It was about people who had extreme jobs, like chasing tornadoes or being in a rock band. (laughs) Okay, because those are totally the same thing. Anyway, I really handcrafted this song for the movie. Unfortunately, if you saw the movie, you missed the song, and you certainly missed my message. (laughs) Sorry, Stevie Nicks. Yeah, and it's true, because this song fully encapsulates the dynamic of this film and the male and female love struggle. Um, obviously, Lindsay Buckingham uh, sings on it with her. And it, this should have been the single. 
I don't know if that's the audience they were going for, but then again, they also spent a lot of the film on this stupid, like, love story. So why not? Like, I... Yeah, like, the the sure. the musicians zeroed in on that right away, and the movie mm-hmm. apparently just, like, ignored it completely. Yeah, and you think about the, like, the subtext of this film, and mm-hmm. the subtext of this soundtrack, even... Not really. I mean, they, they it's not really subtext. They slam it in your face pretty hard in the movie. But in between tornadoes, you know, there is this story of this couple. And this song got that and it understood it. And they're just like, who cares? CGI tornadoes. Yep. The Goo Goo Dolls, Van Halen. Um, I do like that she says, you think you hear demons. I think you are the demon. That's pretty harsh on Lindsay Buckingham. Oof, yeah. Uh, which is Queen Stevie's M.O., I I do. She has the line, uh, "Take it to the limit." So everybody to the limit. Stevie Nicks is to the limit. Oh, see, I thought you were gonna go with it in an Eagles direction with that. <laughs> but why would you? That's dumb. Everybody Stevie Nicks to is the to limit. the limit. Come on, ev- come on, Lindsay Fuhuklkatz. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, but yeah, she. Apparently, really loved the song because she released a, a separate version of it later on a um, one of her box set compilations. She should love this song. The song's great. Yeah, so she re-recorded it in 2014 for the album 24 Karat Gold: Songs from the Vault. So okay, that's probably the one you might want to go check out because this one's good, but uh, it's apparently not the Stevie Nicks approved version. Okay, get the one that Queen Stevie wants. Yeah, yeah. She can have whatever she wants. She's precious. And I, oh oh wow that version was also it was uh, produced by Dave Stewart of Eurythmics so there's that nice too. there you go when we t- when we said earlier that uh, the director of the film did not want Van Halen to write a song about tornadoes I feel like the end of that sentence was actually because Stevie Nicks already did that and we t- had to throw it away <laughs> <laughs> so dumb jerks. Yeah, and after Sammy Hagar sort of ejected himself from the band, uh, they still had one more song on the hook that they had to produce. So Eddie and Alex Brothers Van Halen produced the instrumental song Respect the Wind, which plays over the film's end credits. Um, Do we have to play a clip of this? We have to play a clip. Okay. So if you call like a power tool factory and you get put on hold, this is the music you hear. It's like the piano and the guitar are competing. <laughs> yeah. They don't blend. They're just like jackhammering away. Like, I, I feel like what they're trying to go for is like a kind of like a whirlwind of music, but yeah, it really never builds overload. like that. Yeah. And I mean, that's a pretty ripping guitar solo, but you can't get all of it because the piano is just hammering away. Yeah, yeah. It's the brothers Van Halen basically competing to see who can be more obnoxious at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. And yep. I feel like Alex wins. Ooh, I don't... Uh, it's, all right. I'll allow it, but it's it's a nail-biter finish. <laughs> it's a, it, yeah, for sure. It's a photo finish. But mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say about this, because, like, did we need two Van Halen songs? I really don't know. 
Now, um, especially because there were other songs that didn't get used. I mean, I guess we should be thankful for the Van Halen because it meant we didn't have to hear Eric Clapton. That's that's definitely true. But, you know, that that also means we miss out on like Deep Purple or mm. the William Tell Overture. Or I'm fine with that. <laughs> that sequence in the film, uh, it's okay. It's I'm not, very, not they, Of course, they use um, Oklahoma. Yep. Yep. Briefly, which um, you think they're in Oklahoma. You think that would get tiresome after a while. Like as someone from Oklahoma, whenever I tell people that I'm from Oklahoma, they usually sing that back to me like I've never fucking heard that in my whole life. Mm -hmm. But it's like that's like me going down to New York City and starting to sing New York, New York. Like you lived here. You don't need to sing (laughs) New York. This is not new to you. you. You spent a considerable amount of your life down here. I mean, listen, let me tell you about about songs here in North Carolina. There are two songs, Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond and Carolina in My Mind by James Taylor. I hear them constantly. (sighs) That's true. Well, I will remember that in case you start singing Oklahoma at me. Now I'm armed. That's fair. Armed for bear. That's Twister, everybody. It's yes. The the female vocalists are worth seeking out the men you can leave in the dust except for Mark Knopfler. Yeah, a couple of these guys are, are worth keeping around, but for the most part... Well, it's it's a fascinating soundtrack. I didn't dislike listening to it. Um, I know I, I certainly was critical of it, but I I liked what it represented. It covers such a wide swath of what we were listening to in the 90s. It's and true. it also, it, it connected really well. And so many of the songs connected with the theme of the movie. Um in both you know the weather event and the characters and i think connected with them deeper than the characters actually did themselves because they're all pretty rote stock characters yeah yeah um and the the soundtrack really gives them a lot of texture yeah it really is a case of like the musicians taking the story of the film way more seriously than the filmmakers did yeah, which is a really kind of beautiful thing. Yeah, and I, I appreciate it. Like, on, on first listen, a lot of these songs didn't immediately hook me. But on second and third listens, like, I really started to dig into it and get deeper into it. And a lot of the songs that I didn't expect to like, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Like, the especially, like Mark Knopfler and um, Tori Amos. Like, those two specifically. Like, yeah, I, ca- I came away really enjoying those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tallulah is a great song. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, and I didn't know the, the Mark Knopfler track, so that was really yeah. exciting to hear. So what are we doing next time, Joe? Next time on the show, we're paying tribute to the late, great Ray Liotta with the 1986 film Something Wild. Yes, Jonathan Demme makes his return to Absolutely, the OST party. Absolutely, yeah. We got, so. uh, we got UB4, we got Oigo Boingo is back, I everybody. Know. New order. It's going to be some fun times for sure. Yes, indeed. Um, he is much missed, and it was either that or the identical. So, <laughs> never say never. <laughs> but no, we've actually we've got a really good slate packed for the summer. We've got uh, some special guests coming up. So keep it. You can um, find out more about that. Follow us on at OST Party on our Twitter. Absolutely, and uh, Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me uh, on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. Joe, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat, or you can hear me yell about Christmas movies all year long on the Christmas Creeps podcast, where right now we are knee deep in a summer full of action movies that may or may not actually take place at Christmas. Fascinating. So for the OST party, I am Joseph Wade. 
And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. 